Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave. I am the worship pastor at Compass Point. And uh, man, I am back to my regular hosting job today. And Paul Eastwood is back on the hot seat. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great, man. Doing really good. Excellent. Well, we, we, uh, this week we finished up, wrapped up our series on the Psalms. This series we're calling Open and Unafraid. Um, yeah, lots of the Psalms have to teach us. And we dove into one of these familiar Psalms for many, Psalm 139. Um, do you want to just give us a little reminder? Uh, what yeah. is it? What has he talked about on Sunday? Yeah, and so we we uh, jump back into a psalm that is well known, Psalm one thirty nine, and 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 the whole idea was that we would end this series in worship with our focus on God. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, I understand we've been focusing on God all the time. That's what we do at church. That's what we're that's who we worship, and all of those things is true. But oftentimes we take these psalms and we say, okay, I'm going to place myself in this psalm, and how do I feel in this in the situation? How does that? And and it becomes more about how do we sort of deal with things ourselves? How do we mm. gain confidence? How do we express our anger? How do we, you know, feel the pain and all that kind of stuff? So we've talked about all of those things, and what I want to focus on now is that is to turn our attention directly on God. And what I said on Sunday is that you know I, I gave a quote from. Um, uh, um, uh, who was it? Anyways, it was a quote that said that basically what you, it's Tozer, A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer, yeah. Uh, yeah, what we what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Mm-hmm. And I remember actually doing this experiment, and you can try this at home. You can do this with your kids if you've got kids, or you can just do this on your own, whether you're an artist or not. Um, you know, and maybe I'm kind of ruining the punchline by starting it this way, but, but like take a piece of paper out and a pen and draw a picture of God. What's the first thing that comes to your mind mm-hmm. and take, take a few moments to kind of just sketch that out. What does, what does this mean? And I did this as a, as a, um, a sort of a, an exercise when I was uh, doing a course. Yeah. And the interesting thing about it is that what we draw is an indication of what, of how we perceive God. And, you know, God sure. is is so big and so vast that no one can have a handle on him. We don't understand. No one can draw him perfectly. Um, So we draw different aspects or different ideas and stuff. And, And I think it's a fascinating exercise because it gets us to a place of like, you know, I see God as this, right? You know, maybe mm-hmm. I see God as big and sovereign over the world, but I there's not a real indication in my drawing that I see him as close or intimate to, you know, and, and knowing me and that kind of stuff. Or we may see him like a buddy with an arm around the shoulder, but we don't see this big transcendent, you know, God or that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. there's there's it's kind of an interesting little experiment. So this week, the whole idea was to start to, you know, reframe our picture of who God is. You know, yeah. he's all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful, and entirely holy. Yeah. Yes. And and the Psalms, like we've been, as you said, we've been focusing on how the Psalms teach us to respond. But, right. but to respond to God, we need to know God. And this this yeah. the Psalms teach us so much, especially this one. Okay, before I go any farther, Paul, what did you draw? I, I need to know. What, <laughs> what was your picture of God and what would it be today? Do you remember what it was then? Yeah, I, I actually do remember what it was then. I drew um, a uh, sort of like a hand yeah. and a little tiny earth in the middle of it. Okay. Um, and and I and it was interesting because it, like it's a very good question to ask. What would I draw today? Um, I'm not sure how I would depict God in my mind um, now, but I I, w- I would hope that it would be a little bit more balanced. I think I grew mm. up in a in a context where what we knew about God was all like, you know, information and it, there was not a lot of, um, 
you know, emotional connection in any way. Uh, not a lot of like father talk. It was more like God is big and, mm-hmm. you know, powerful and all knowing and all of these things. And so I yeah. just had this idea of God being so much bigger and, you know, he has the whole world in his hands. Great. But I think like David was able to say, God, you are all powerful and all knowing and you know me and you made me. So he kind of makes it personal. And and I didn't put myself there. I put the earth there and the earth was tiny. So you couldn't even find me. Yeah. Right. Which is an interesting kind of thing. What would you draw if you were if I were just to say, I mean, now it's it kind of the exercise is kind of ruined that we've talked about it. But it's like the first thing that comes into your mind. How would you do? Yeah. So so, you know, if if you're interested in this, pause the episode right now and go draw something. Yeah. Um, I, I, man, I don't know what I draw. I've, I've been thinking about it since you asked that. Um, if I could steal another artist's work, yeah, I would steal uh, Caravaggio's, uh, the one of Jesus holding Thomas's hand to the wound in his side. Okay. Yep. Um, and Caravaggio's use of light and like the intimacy and the immediacy yeah. that his paintings have are just like so compelling to me. Right. Um, yeah. But if I had to draw my own thing, man, I have no idea. Ironically, I was thinking like, uh, I know it's cliche, but I almost want to do that like parting clouds and beam of light coming yeah, down yeah. on like a person. Like, I don't, you know, and, and then I'm like, am I actually drawing God like Yahweh or am I drawing Zeus? Like the, you know, like it's, yeah, yeah you can quickly, um, obviously all of our, all of our analogies and pictures of God fall short. Uh, but that's, that's really good and really helpful in getting us to think about knowing God. So, well, so we again, talk, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's just to say that again, like what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And I would mm-hmm. say if you're listening to this podcast and you are not a believer and you're just kind of trying to figure things out or listening to things, you would say, well, that's very theistic. It's not it's not my experience at all. But I would say that not believing in God drives your life just as much as believing in God might drive someone else's life. And yeah. so what you believe about God, it's still true. I think it's true of any of us is yeah. I believe the most important thing about us. It it shapes who we are, how we act, you know, how we interact with the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so that's why I think that, you know, exploring our own perception of God, whether we see God as, you know, this disciplinarian or whether we see God as, you know, like only in, in the person of Jesus, or if we see God as, you know, whatever it is. Um, actually, I had another experience, um, a guy, um, actually Francis Chan shared this mm-hmm. in, in yep. one of his uh, studies about how he perceives God. And he always he would read Revelation 4 before he prayed. Uh, and not not all the time, but Revelation four is this beautiful picture of like I think it's four, maybe it's maybe it's two, two or four. Yeah, I go with it. Um, there's this like crazy like lightning and God's on the throne uh, and there's yeah. people bowing and all this kind of stuff and it's this incredible picture. And then he says, okay, now I'm going to pray, right? And it's like that puts him in a frame of mind where he sees God as powerful and big and as as strong as he truly is. And yeah. you know, when David writes the psalm, he says, you know, in in theological terms, he would say. You, that you are omniscient, um, you know everything, that you are mm. omnipresent, which means you are everywhere, yeah. um, and then you are uh, omnipotent, which means all-powerful, and mm-hmm. you are a creator, and then that you are um, entirely holy or set apart, right? And so those yeah. things um, would be the way that, that theologians would describe it. But, you know, for us, I think it's uh, it's kind of an interesting thing because those even those ideas of God being all-knowing and all-present and all powerful mm-hmm. are hard for us to get our heads around, right? They really are. Uh, and it's funny, I was just, I just pulled up the psalm on my phone here and I, you know, thinking about it, I was thinking, oh, search me and know me. It's kind of this, like, it starts with this 
this ask of God to come and search me. Kind of like I need to be, be, you know, allow God to know me. No, the actual Psalm says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. It's past tense. God doesn't need our permission, right? Like there's, yeah. even in the way I'm remembering it, I'm like, oh, no, God is actually, it. The David is saying that God is more all-knowing than, uh, than I'm uncomfortable with, which this, I mean, all of these omnis, uh, the theological terms, the omnipresent, omnipotent, um, they're they're fascinating. It kind of take you down some really interesting and very thoughtful wormholes. And and you know there are tons of people. I can't even think of any great resources right now. But I'm sure if you're interested, we can we can yeah. hook you up with something. But they do kind of beg the question. Well, you know, how does the will of God actually work? If He knows everything, if He knows what's coming, um, and especially the what we call the problem of evil. Um, what are we? Like, if God knows everything, why is there so much bad stuff in the world? Why does he allow sin? Why did he allow the Holocaust? Why, you know, yeah. why the, is the history of the church so mixed, especially around the Middle, the middle Ages? And, and why do we see these terrible things? If God is all-powerful and all-knowing, why in the world would he allow these things? So, yeah. really quickly, Paul, I want you to ask the hardest question, uh, answer the hardest question that's ever been asked. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I'm sorry to disappoint, but I don't have a a nice clean cut answer to that oh, question <laughs> because, and 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 really, I mean, how how is God all like so you know all present, all always present? Mm-hmm. Um, what we know is that God is everywhere present in the fullness of His being. Um, but I remember being in a theology class, and the first question the theology the the uh, the professor asked is, um, "Is God everywhere?" And we said, "Yeah, of course, He's everywhere. And I believe He's omnipresent." And then he says, "Okay, is He in my coffee cup?" And I'm like, "Well, that makes me a little uncomfortable to say that God is in that <laughs> coffee cup." Yeah. And so he encouraged us, and challenged us to think about some of these things that we think about, and what does that mean to be every pre- present, everywhere, in the fullness of His being, and all that stuff. But I would say. Uh, it's a really good question about the power of God. If God is all powerful, then why doesn't mm-hmm. he just do this or do that or whatever? Yeah. And I would say, you know, one thing I, I kind of, I came to realize as I thought about this, just in, in the same way that God doesn't learn, like the one thing about God is that he doesn't learn. He doesn't yeah. learn from you. He doesn't learn from our prayers. He, yeah. he actually doesn't learn because he knows it already. Right. Mm. Um, and, but the second thing I think is an interesting thought about God is that God can't do anything he can't do anything he can only do anything he pleases in keeping with his nature right so so for instance god can't lie right he can't he can't lie he can't um he can't contradict his nature or his character in any way and so when we think about some of these things like the problem of evil and all this kind of stuff we say well if he just if he cared why didn't he just stop this or stop that or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's like god cannot act outside of um he cannot act outside of of what keeping with his own be, in his own uh nature and what i would say in some of these cases is that you know we have this idea of what's just and what's right and we want god to act on our behalf in this particular situation for a particular person and and god doesn't um he doesn't just sort of like as he pleases do whatever he wants in those cases he he acts in in um completely in line with who he is and and so part of that is the way that he cannot stand sin right and so these mm-hmm. kind of things all sort of play together and yeah it's 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 really fascinating but there isn't there isn't an easy answer in fact i don't know it i i i don't know if you know it but i think that we uh, can no. be confident of a truth yeah and at the same time not be um 
not be overwhelmed by the complexity of it or, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really important, right? Like there's, there's this um, massive uh, seeming contradiction and seeming like trap that you can get yourselves in where you say, well, you know, if, if God can't do anything, if we're saying God can't do anything about the evil in the world because he hates sin, like there's, there's this weird, like, well, I don't want to follow a God who just allows all these things. And that's what right. a lot of people would say. Right. Um, but, but we also like the otherliness of God, the holiness of God, um, yeah, requires us to admit that we are not God. Uh, and, and like, we will never fully understand it. And, and there are plenty of good, uh, reasonable kind of explorations of these things uh, done by, again, people yeah. who, who have more experience and more wisdom and knowledge than you and I. But um, yeah, yeah, we, we can kind of trust these things, uh, yeah. I, I think is what we're saying. And, and there is, even for people who would say, well, you know, you're, you're relying on faith for this. You know, I need more proof. Absolutely, we are relying on faith. But any opposing opinion also relies on faith. Right. Uh, faith is not something that is only held by Christians who believe this. Faith is something that all of us have as humans, right? We all yeah. have to make these assumptions. And and frankly, we think these ones are pretty trustworthy. Yeah. Um, well, and for the record, God has done something about the evil in the world. And yes. he sent Jesus and and it, it is, it's finished, right? I mean, the, the yeah. consequences of, of sin in terms of our, our death is is done. Go but yeah. passage I, in Revelation. And yeah, and I and and you know these are really these are great questions. But I think you know like some people will ask the question, right? Like, can can God build a or make a rock so big that not even He can lift it, right? And you know those right. are the kind of questions that it's it's just like you know like stop asking dumb questions. I don't think and I mean none of these things really that doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. and and um and I because I think what we when we get to these questions and we start to struggle with them, what ends up happening is we're actually trying to. We're trying to make sense of them mm. and it, with our finite, you know, kind of understanding of things. And really, by what we try to do as as humans is try to master things. We try to yeah. figure it out and and put our arms around it so we can understand it. Mm. And I think what we understand from from uh, this this psalm, we just can't. Um, we're not going to be able to get our understanding around it. But what we can do is what David did. He took the truth about God. God is um, uh, omniscient. He knows everything. All-knowing. Yep. He knows me, right? Yeah. Then you say he's omnipresent. He's actually near me, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, same thing. He's 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 um, uh, omnipotent. He's, he's uh, all-powerful. Mm -hmm. He created me. Yeah. And so those two things, I, I love how David kind of puts those together. He's still focused completely on God, but yeah. he's personalized it and saying that not only are you all knowing, you actually know me. And that's, yeah. that's I think, where we start to find the comfort in this passage. For sure. Now, now it's fascinating as I, again, go back to this psalm. Um, you know, it, it, on one hand, it's this deeply comforting understanding of who God is. On the other hand, like there's there's these hints of lament in there and even anger, right? There's these yeah. these moments where I'm like, is David okay? Like, is he is he kind of just like, oh, God is so good? Or is he like, God, I need you to be these things? Like, yeah. how do we, uh, what do you think's going on here, Paul? I think it's very likely that this psalm is a lament um, in one sense. And, and I, it's funny okay. that we say that. I, I, you know, we categorize psalms based on the words that are in the psalms, right? And so there's no, there's no book. There's no like, you know, God didn't provide like the, the side, the handbook that explains each of these psalms and puts them into neat little categories. The categories yeah. that we put them in are our categories. We, we yeah. say, eh, it kind of feels like that. But what I would say with this passage is that 
is that um, David is in some kind of extreme sort of anguish where, you know, you can see in verses 19 to 22, he starts just saying, these enemies of you, they're speaking of you of evil intent, and these things are happening. And so it seems that there's something that's going on. And so he's going to God, basically preaching back these, this, this truth about him, God, you know me, you know what I've done, you know where I'm going, you know all these things. And yet, you know, you're no, the, in fact, the verse, the one verse that I would point to, um, I don't want, we we can't, don't have to go way deep into this, but you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Yeah. You know, um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, you know, we use this as this, oh yeah, you know, you put a hedge of protection, you protect me and all that kind of stuff. But, but what David is saying here is that. I am completely overwhelmed by who you are. You 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 don't allow me to do anything. Your hand is on mm-hmm. me. You've you've hemmed me in. You keep me like in this place. And so he's saying that, you know, God, you we I can't hide from you. I can't do any of this. And then there's this mm-hmm. kind of outpouring about what he's going to do about the problems in the world. And then he comes back at the end like you talked about in those psalms that sometimes about the anger where where he ends with this kind of you know this turn and this reminder he says god search me and know my heart and he and then he just basically says uh root out that you know the the offensive Mm -hmm. stuff that's in me so i don't know i mean it's interesting to think about i think what's probably more interesting in this is how often we just remove you know verses 19 to 22 and you know we we yeah. we read this psalm at all kinds of things and baby dedications and all this stuff. But can you imagine if we were reading this at a baby dedication? You know, like how pre- you know you are, <laughs> I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And oh yeah, slay the wicked. You know, like I hate the people that hate you. And you know, and it's kind of like oh right, yes, that's there too. Well, and that's in my mind that's the open and unafraid bit. That's the bit yeah. where um, when we when we approach the psalms honestly and openly and pray them in their like. In their setting, right? It's it's like what we often do is we like to take a song and just take the chorus out of it, right? I like yeah. this part. I don't really like the other parts. And and I think the Psalms, if anything, show us that you know there is um, the the wide range of human emotions and the way that we deal with things is like that's part of being human. It's part yeah. of not being God, right? It's part of not knowing everything and not being all present and not being all powerful. Um, yeah, and that's that's like. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that always that's good. It doesn't mean we should be full of rage, but it does mean like that. Yeah. When we find ourselves full of rage, God, God's actually been there with people before, and yeah. there's ways of going there with God. Um, yeah, and, and, you, and working and, through that. And you brought this up uh, when you talked about this in the message that that sometimes mm-hmm. we see ourselves in the people that you know that are against God, and oh, and yeah. and so I think He's recognizing there. That's the way that I described it. I mean. You know, you read some commentaries yep. and they would say, look, there's just, and you read this as you were going through your study on, on Psalms around anger is that we live in this new orientation through Jesus. And, you know, uh, you know, now that we're in Jesus think that stuff doesn't matter anymore. And, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're called to love our enemies and all that kind of stuff, which, which is all true. It's very true. Yep. Um, yep. but I think, you know, one person said, as they were, as they were talking about this passage, they said, you know, we're called to love our enemies. Um, but what we're reading here is that David was hating his enemies, God's enemies, not his as in right. David's, um, which I think is an interesting yeah. sort of stipulation here. He's not talking about the people that are pushing him around. It's the people that are pushing God around. Right. So, yeah. Which sometimes are one and the same, right? Like, I, yep. I think 
for David, but okay. So let, let me ask this because this is this is fun. But I'm I'm curious in this psalm about knowing God about uh, all of these things, Paul. As you studied this this week, what what did God reveal to you about Himself? What did He remind you of and draw up in you that kind of yeah brought you to a place of greater discipleship and greater like uh, this is a yeah. truth I need to lean into. So uh, you know I I. Well, I, I, that's a good question. And I, you didn't, we didn't talk about this before, but I do have an answer for you. And it's in verse 10. Mm. Um, to me, what's, okay. what stuck out as like a neon sign was this idea that even there, when it comes to God's presence, even everywhere, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. And I gave two illustrations on Sunday that were really mm. a reminder for me of this, of the picture of God's hand guiding me in the darkness. And oftentimes, you know, especially in a time like a pandemic, you know, you got your eyes closed and you're reaching around and, and just swinging wildly. Like just, I just need a hand. I need something. And God is that hand because he's present. And then this idea that he steadies us um, you know, in that, in that shaky moment where you're almost going to fall and then that hand comes out and it's like, I got you. And that, to me, that picture was really powerful. And it reminded me that, you know, that we're not alone, um, that we, um, that, you know, that we can live our life and travel in an encouraged way with confidence, you know, kind of take the steps on the journey because we, we recognize that there's no need for fear, um, because of God's presence. So for me, that's what stuck, stuck out to me. But being reminded of of like God's knowledge of us, the fact that he knows our best and worst. And I didn't say on Sunday, but the fact he knows our potential, he knows where we might end up, mm-hmm. you, you know, in terms of where we yeah. go, where he sees us, you know, in, in being reminded of these things actually just starts to flood my heart with, you know, with joy in some of these things, because it just reminds me, um, you know, and I, and I think for many people, this idea of you know, God making us in a, in a, you know, marvelous way. That was a really big thing for me. This, you know, this idea that we're not an accident and all of those things. And, you know, and I, I tend to be pretty balanced when it comes to, I, I mean, I think we all have issues with the way we perceive ourselves. Um, but I know for many people, that's the thing that really kind of grabs our attention that, you know, that God has created us just the way he wanted, um, with purpose and, you know, and, and in a, in a very caring and, powerful way. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Love it. Well, Paul, we're out of time. Uh, we're over the 20 minute mark, so we're going to have to wrap it up there. <laughs> any, any brief closing thoughts for the whole series for this week for, for the oh, Psalm? What, where should we go from here? I would just say, read the Psalms. You know, I, I, I think, and I started this series and I talked on Sunday about this idea that Psalms can sometimes be like a great song that comes on the radio and you start singing along. And before you know it, you're shouting the chorus because the words speak so clearly to your situation or what you're in, you can relate. And I think that if you uh, yeah. commit to reading through the Psalms, the summer is a great time to do that, by the way, as well. We'll talk about summer reading plans later, but, you know, reading through the Psalms, is an is a great reminder and i'll tell you you'll read through them and nine times out of ten you'll just be like yep i don't get it you know what oil and aaron's beard whatever and then all of a sudden every once in a while a couple of words will grab your attention like these ones did for me about god's hand in our in the darkness Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we sing them out and shout them out because of our circumstances so read the psalms this is a good place to find comfort and joy and strength 
I love it. Uh, and I'll just add, pray the Psalms as you're reading them, which is, I think we're saying the same thing here, you know, <laughs> meet, meet God in the Psalms, which yeah. you have to, to read them, to pray them. You're doing the same thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so good. Um, Paul, I've loved this series. I'm excited for where we're going next, but thank you for your time. Thanks uh, for listening along to Postscript. We'll be back next week with more.